Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listener and welcome to the final episode of the season of the From the Finney podcast. Jim and I are joined tonight by Luke and George from Lanks Live and Ollie's back with us again. We'll review the season, we'll discuss various player of the season awards in inverted commas, uh, we'll look ahead to next season, talk about what needs to change and we'll also discuss the statement that's been put out by the club as well. So yeah, enjoy. How are we fellas? Are we good? Everyone alright? Yep, good thanks. Good. good. Very much living the dream. <laughs> Luke, a debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like bang out of order that I had to basically offer you a job to get on to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now I'm on, you Just can expect your... Uh... That isn't what happened. <laughs> now that I'm on, you can expect your P45 tomorrow morning. Anyway, box is ah, ticked. Splendid. I look, I look forward to that. Ollie, it's good to have you back on, mate. Thanks, Jake. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Didn't know if you had me back on. Not a problem. Anytime, anytime. George, 49 out. Yeah. Good knock. Cheers. How much did you see of it? Uh, about an hour. Yeah. You, you were going well. Yeah. Take it. Take Big it. and strong. few decent shots. Nice little four in there as well. Yeah. Batted with Andy Fenson. Nice partnership. Nice. Don't know if you, you realised it was him or not. Good player. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, Jim, Vicarage Road, how was that? Oh, amazing, mate. Absolutely class. I'm knackered today, but um, yeah, one hell of an experience. Just like even what was, what was the score? A one-five-three, which is great. We didn't five one at half time, um, but yeah, it was just amazing. Like the difference in quality of, of like all the little things around the ground and the change rooms and the back areas. It's just like Premier League levels compared to the Championship is just completely different. And that's not a dig or anything. It's just like it's a different world. And I was speaking to their they're guys who obviously work at the club and as I said, this is what five years in the Premier League does. Like, obviously, yeah. it's a new stand, the, El- the Elton John stand and um, everything was perfect. Honestly, I couldn't fault it. had like crowd noise on. So I've actually, I've actually played on a pitch with crowd noise <laughs> and it's it's weird. Like, around the edges of, of the, like we've talked about it on the pod all season, haven't we? Like, what, what must it be like? I've experienced it now. I can talk about it firsthand. So around the edges, around like the perimeter of the pitch, it's strange because obviously that's where you're closest to the speakers. So you can't really yeah. hear people like behind. So if you come for, say you're coming short for throwing, you can't hear who's behind you. Does that make sense? But yeah, when you're in the, in the, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's Premier League levels as well. That, isn't it? Yeah. But when you're in the middle of the park, well, I just gave myself 10 minutes in, in the centre mid yesterday. I just thought I'm, I'm experiencing this. You can hear everything. Uh, Who would you compare yourself to, Jim, midfielder-wise? Me? Yeah, um, a bad Liam Grimshaw <laughs> <laughs> playing passes straight out of the play. No, actually, I, I, I think I had four or five passes watching the footage back. Oh, I think yeah. only one was only one was a shocker. I drilled it into someone's feet that was six yards away from me. Luckily, he had a good touch. Yeah. But um, yeah, I loved it. But when you're in the middle of the park, you can hear everything. So yeah. I guess I guess it must be weird for keepers because obviously when you're so close to an end and obviously you've got speakers behind you pumping out this fake noise that must be really strange like for set pieces and things I mean we can see the set piece light on and you couldn't hear anything that was going on 
Uh, the only thing you've seen was like a bullet back of the net. Yeah. So, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Just just knackered today. I had three hours sleep last night, five hours the night before. So running on Red Bull and coffee today, mate. Well, good to have you. Um, yeah, and listener, as always, just a reminder that you can support us here at From the Finney with a donation of any size. It's appreciated. Um, just head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Uh, and yeah it helps to keep us going helps to keep us running um and yeah if you're on an apple device uh, we'd appreciate if you could leave us a review on apple Podcasts as well boys we'll start off just by sort of looking back and and i guess sort of reflecting on the season um jim i'll start with you how do you look back on it it's very much mixed emotions from this season because if you think about how we started and obviously that poor one of fixtures at home and we just couldn't pick up points. It's a case of what could have been because our away form at the start of the season, especially, was fantastic. You know, going to Brentford and winning, obviously, in September, that was just like a big standout from them first sort of six, seven games. You know, big wins at Bournemouth. Nor- that Norwich, first away game of the season, that 2 2 draw. You know, we didn't deserve to only get a point out of the game. We should have got all three, really. So it's a real good case of what could have been for me. Um, losing the plays we lost in January as well was disappointing. Whilst it was expected, it was yeah, I was going to say it was, it was inevitable, expected, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and I think you know the players were recruited in January. Yeah, you know, Daniel Iverson been a massive bonus, and you know definitely in contention for Player of the Year for a lot of fans. And you know Ben Whiteman's coming to his own last sort of I'd say ten games. He's starting to pick up to the pace of the level so yeah what could have been I mean a 13th place finish I suppose we'd have wanted to finish higher wouldn't we let's be honest from the start of the season but it's been a year of change it's been a year like no other and we've just got to sort of suck it and see and see what happens over over the next sort of three months before the start of next season yeah George what's your take on it Um, sorry I was distracted by all these West Indies hat (laughs) <laughs> I had to smile when it came out. It's been a while since I've seen that. No. Class that, to be fair. Uh, yeah, agree pretty much. I think if you look at it on paper, you think 13th place finish, probably not a bad season to finish 13th, but with everything that come with it, you know, around January and in the build-up to January, it's like the games are going on, but there's so much going on behind the scenes and off the pitch that, you know, when if you lost the game, there was so much more being said about contracts and things and it made the defeats even worse and you couldn't really enjoy wins because you didn't know what was coming in January. So the half of the season for me was just sort of delaying the sort of inevitable car crash in January that was that was going to happen. It was always going to happen. And in the end, we've managed to pull it back and I think we were a bit worried about slipping into that bottom three. Um, so yeah, a good good way to end, but you know, we know fans and COVID and, and everything else. I didn't personally enjoy it very much. I didn't enjoy championship football as much either. You know, I usually love watching games midweek and things, um, like my favourite league in, in, in the world, but I just couldn't get connected with it. Um, and that's coming from someone that was at every match. It was just really yeah. weird season for me. Do you think that you could say the same just about football in general as well, not just the championship? Yeah, like Premier League matches are big going on. I didn't even know there were four games today. Like, yeah, it's been a real sort of funny one to get uh, engaged with. I think 
yeah, Luke, I know it's been uh, an iffy one for you as well, hasn't it? Um, yeah, it's it's just been. I mean, from Preston North End perspective, it's just been a, it's been a bit flat. And like George sort of hinted out there, it's felt like a bit of a limbo season where it's great that we didn't get relegated and that and that's positive. But beyond that, it kind of didn't feel like anything meaningful was necessarily going to happen. And I know we've changed the manager and stuff like that, but like I said, it just felt like a season in limbo to me. And I think, I think the... Um, you know, we, I can see it with how many people read the website, the Preston North End stories. The interest in football at the moment is just at an all-time low. Yeah. And, and and that'll pick up a little bit as fans return and the summer comes and the summer brings some transfers and stuff like that. But a flat season and I'm happy it's over in every sense. Yeah, I think, Jim, I know you and I have said that for a while, for a few weeks, haven't we? We can't wait, can't wait for it to finish and... You know, we're we're here, final episode, and uh, yeah, um, Ollie. I mean, I think for you, it, it's a bit different because obviously you was the Rovers game your last game with us. Yeah, when we won, and then obviously you've you've stayed in football, but you've sort of spread your wings, so to speak, haven't you? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the first half of the season. Um, I think we we're eleventh on New Year's Day. Um, so I think we're four points off the playoffs on New Year's Day. And everything that happens off the pitch. Um, I think off the pitch has been a big learning curve for the club this season. Obviously, the statement I hope, today... I hope it's been a learning curve. Well, the statement today sort of defends all the club's actions. But um, football-wise, yeah. like Jimmy said, like Jimmy said, we had some good wins. We had the Brentford game. The Swansea game was really good. Um, the Bournemouth game. Like I was still quite interested in footy. And then January came, seven in, seven out. I think, was it not eight in, eight out? Might have been eight in, eight out, then sixteen maybe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're just going on a game by game basis, like George said. Every time there was a loss, like the world was ending, um, and you just can't build any momentum. So, obviously, I left in Feb. I've not really seen a game since then because I've been working on Saturdays and Tuesdays, what have you. So, yeah, like yeah. like Luke said, it was a bit flat in the end, and I think everyone's just glad it's over. And then hopefully, yeah, with the Euros in summer. Um, everyone's really fresh with fans back in August. Yeah, I just think this this summer is going to be pivotal, and not just for from a footballing point of view, but for people, country, um, just to get some sense of normality back. Um, I think for me, uh, sort of echo the sentiments of all of you. Really, it's been very flat. Um, glad it's over, and, and there has been some highs. Uh, I think we'll we'll come on to that next moment of the season. I think for me, Brentford away. I don't think there's anything better than that. I think I said it after the game, and I've said it a few other times. I felt like I'd played football after the game. I was like that sort of like the adrenaline was rushing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it feels it feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like it was that long ago that it doesn't even feel like it was last season. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Moment of the season's hard for me because. I think there's been that many ups and downs throughout the year. It's hard to sort of pinpoint a, a moment where we think, God, that was amazing. I mean, you know, you could probably look at Emil against Huddersfield, you, you know, the Bournemouth game, you know, games where like you thought, you know, we're going to be able to do something this season. And then it sort of just went flat. You know, it was that inconsistent. You know, we've only really put a run of games together in the last, five weeks of the season really if you look at our form you know it's been that inconsistent throughout the year 
we've never really been in touch with the top six consistently. That's the I suppose a disappointing thing for me. I'd probably say that you know if you're going if you're going to say a moment, you're probably going to say the Bournemouth game because we went into that game thinking we have not a chance here because we'd we'd obviously been beat by Watford on the on the Saturday, been beat by Rovers the previous Tuesday. You know on a run of tough fixtures. And then went there and went three and a lot, thinking weren't expecting this. Yeah. So that's probably where I'd be at. We were only, I think, after the Coventry game, we won two 0 I think we we're four points off the playoffs on the on the last day of the year. Um, so I think it just fell away after that. But I'd agree with Jimmy, like the Bournemouth game to go three 0 up. Like I don't think any of us could have expected it. Just a great first half performance, weren't it? Yeah, clinical as well. That first goal from Barkey, the counter-attack from their corner. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Scott's goal and then big part before he, he ruled, got ruled out for the rest of the season. Uh, George, what about you? What moment? Yeah. The season. I'd probably side with you for Brentford just because didn't expect it at all. Um, you know, first half, 2-0 down and then our record against Brentford, just how good of a team Brentford are. I thought that was unbelievable. That eighteen minutes, you know, probably never see something like that. You know, they're the types of games that come around, not sort of every five years or something. I couldn't really enjoy Bournemouth because at three 0 up, I some for some reason tweeted it was game over and then they made it three two. So, but no, that first <laughs> half we were very good. Um, three goals were pretty good as well. But yeah, I probably got Brentford, and then if you're going for an individual moment, I liked Greg's goal against Blackburn uh, and Reese at Reading as well. They were two. Two good goals. Tricky, isn't it? Um, I think that because we'd never really look like going up and going down in general, it's hard to pick up in a big mo- a big moment like that. <clears throat> I think the mo- the ones you've all given are perfectly reasonable ones. Some of the big some of the big away performances and stuff like that. And Greg Cunningham's goal is a really good example as well. Um, I actually. The, the thing that stands out for me was Ben Davis moving to Liverpool, and that, that is a is a massive thing. Where I mean, my family are Liverpool fans, but I was just delighted for him. I know it's not really worked out the way that we, we would have hoped or we would have hoped, but that is the thing that I'll probably think back to on this season. Um, obviously, Alex Neal left the club, and that was a massive thing, but that, that's that's probably the one. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I mean the Brent, the Brentford performances and the, and you know beating Rovers and and Bournemouth as well were all massive moments. But it's the Ben Davies signing exit that um, stands out most to me. I think. Just how how much do you think the fact that we didn't draw a single game from the twenty sixth of September to the first of December how do you how do you think that affected like just fans in general and the feeling about the club because it was just. From like week after week, and I know Jim, like we again, we've spoken about it loads, but it was just like high, low, high, low. You're getting pelters on social media, or you're getting nothing on social media. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you think that's affected the season as a whole? I don't think you knew if you're coming to go in half the time, did you? Because of the lack of draws, you, your highs were highs and your lows were lows. And it because we weren't in the ground, we were powerless to it anyway. So you know, when you're actually in the ground, you feel like you can actually do something. You can shout, you can scream, you can get to ref pelters or whatever you want. But when you're stuck at home in front of the TV, it's a completely different game. And I think a lot of people probably fell out of it 
pull out the habit of watching it probably around January after the after the window. You know, the football was hit and miss in terms of quality. And, you know, there'll be people who haven't seen North End for, for months. You know, we've had messages in, haven't we, that have said, like, I'm keeping up to North End with you guys. I'm not watching it on iFollow. So it's down to you guys to actually let me know how they're getting on. I found that a little bit humbling, but also, like, quite concerning as well, because once you fall out the habit of doing something consistently, it's quite not, it's quite hard to get back into the habit of doing it at times as well. And this is why I keep championing about we've got to do something spectacular about season tickets and actually get behind it quite quickly. And I just think with the way the world has been for the past 15 months with the pandemic, you know, everyone's emotions have been all over the place. People have been locked up for 15 months pretty much. And like, yeah, people are going to vent on social media a lot more and probably are going to feel a lot more high and low about things because there's been nothing else to get excited about. Tricky one, really. But, I mean, in terms of goal of the season... Uh, for me, Scott Sinclair against Bournemouth. I think it's quite an easy one, to be fair. I, I think that's an overrated goal. I'm just going to get that in early. <laughs> what? My, my opinion on that goal is similar to yours about butter pies and probably it will be as well received. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I was refreshing my memory a little bit on this today. It, it wouldn't. I don't think it would be in my top five. Don't ask me to give my top five, but it just wouldn't. Really? Uh, yeah. That, that, I'd say that's worse than my opinion on butter pies. To be yeah, fair, that's terrible. <laughs> the whole move. You can't, just, you can't just take the strike in isolation, Luke. Sean, you can't look did, at the whole did, move. Did Sean Maguire not win ahead of Jimmy? Was it yeah. Sean Maguire? Yeah, yeah. It broke. It's like Piero, a shot. Piero to Barky in the corner. Barky played it over the top. Sean he won the header and then touch the out of his feet and then bang. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed some of the other goals a lot more. Um, <laughs> I think Barky, I think Barky against Derby, really enjoyed that goal. Yeah. It's great. I enjoyed that a lot more. Joy. So name four um, more then. And then, and then the, the other one that stands out to me is Chad Evans's volley, um, which I, I thought was outstanding, cool. and it, it it jumped me out of my seat, which Sinclair's goal didn't. So there you go. That's the difference. Um, so there's obviously like Sinclair's goal is good, but. I, I, I just don't find that kind of goal as, as pleasing as as some of the yeah. others as a as a volley or as a counter attack. And I know you'll say the Sinclair goal was a counter attack, but I'm not really looking at it like that. Yeah, it's a different kind of. It's like a mouth wide open goal, whereas the counter attacks are like that. Wow, what a move that is! So I get that, but it was still an unbelievable goal. I don't think the aesthetics of the keeper help. Because he just looked beaten from the moment it left his foot and it was just like, all right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> the, keeper, the keeper needs to either be stood still and not move or um, or make a massive dramatic dive towards it. I don't think either of those happened in this instance. So that takes away from how good it looks and how pleasing know. it is. Do you think Sinclair's, Sinclair's was better than Beckford against Chesterfield? No, <clears throat> Beckford's is better. Beckford. See, I'm not interested at all in Beckford's goal either. It was outstanding to watch, and 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 the sort of goal that you just never forget. But I'm just not impressed by goals from distance like that. Lobs, yeah. Like if you compare, if you compare, he's a good example. Or maybe it's not a good example. But if you compared Beckford Beckford's goal with Joe Garner's goal, they're completely different leagues, aren't they? 
completely different goals, that's why. Yeah. Well, yeah, one's considerably better than the other. It's like Stockley's, it's like Stockley's goal from that, that, the one that Jimmy thought was a mistake. It was a mistake. Yeah. He's hit, he, he thought it was a foul and he's tried to put it in the stand. I, I maintain that. He's, <laughs> he's not meant it. Well, at least, Jim, at least you and Luke agree on something. Yeah. And Jay Bedford's goal against Chesterfield. It's the whole counter-attack. I thought it was mm. it were good. It was just like that set that sealed the moment that we knew we were going to Wembley. It's like his fourth at Wembley. It's not the best goal in the world, but it's a counter-attack. You know, it's just it's typical relief, Simon Grayson. Isn't it? As yeah. Well. It's a typical Simon Grayson football in terms of counter-attack. There you go, punish them while you can and it's just that relief. Fourth goal went in, breathe. Mm. Not even North End can mess this up. That does take the edge off the Joe Garner goal a little bit, doesn't it? How 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 worthless it was ultimately. Mm. Worthless yeah. is harsh. Um, I agree. I agree. The Stockley goal comes comes back to uh, the goalkeeper thing again. The goalkeeper looks like he's not asked. Like he can't believe it's happening, or it's been or it's been pulled up, and therefore it's just so much less enjoyable. I don't think he was the only one that couldn't believe it. To be fair, uh, George, what what's your Goal of the season. Uh, Scott Sinclair against Bournemouth with Chad Evans a sort of second for me. Just because it was his weak foot, the way it went up in the air. You know, I don't think you could hit a ball much better than that. So, Ollie? Um, probably our quickest goal of the season. Joe Rafferty against Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> no, I put that out of my memory. No, nah, about, about the time we went ahead of <laughs> Nah, but nah. To be fair, it would be Sinclair's at Bournemouth. Like the yeah, technique for that was just unbelievable. Despite what Luke says, I think, I think the technique was unbelievable. I know you're employed in the football world, Ollie, but that doesn't mean you're not wrong. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I do think it. No, I do think it was goal of the season. Alan Browns as well. For... Alan Browns against Derby as well, Jake. Just because. Yeah. Of what yeah. it meant. Like, I think it was Boxing Day, weren't it? Um, left Boxing foot Day. finish. Left Late foot. on as well. Last, Literally last, last kick of the game. game yeah. Enough. So, yeah, that one as well. Um, f- for me, an honourable mention for Scott Sinclair's against Huddersfield, the counter-attack. Yeah. Like, Ched outside of the boot, ball through to Barky. Barky outside of the boot, cross to Scott. And Scott with the finish. thought that was brilliant. <coughs> Am I being really thick? Why is, why is nobody talking about Barky versus Derby? That was a brilliant goal. I think it's because it was oh. in the cup. It don't mean as much to me. Reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have to agree with that. Um, I think another one as well for me is the first one against Bournemouth. Yeah, Barky's counter-attack from yeah, their yeah. corner. The pass from Johnson was serious. Just clinical, that wasn't it? That's like a typical Alex Neil goal. That yeah, opponent of the season. Then who's the best team you've seen us face, George? I'll come to you first on this one, seeing as you've been at all the games. I think it's a hard one because some of the teams that beat us convincingly was just as much as down to us being horrendous. Like Luton were really good against us, but we were so bad. Whereas, so it's quite a difficult one to look at. Wickham the same. But credit to both of them, they've sort of outfought us for the 90 minutes. Uh, I've been really impressed with Norwich both times I've seen them. Like Such a classy outfit. Uh, really good to watch. And then probably Brentford. 
after that. But if I had to pick one, probably Norwich, even though we got two points against them. Jim? Um, I'm going to say Watford. I think they the, the way they took us apart at their place, I know it was under Illich at the time and we were absolutely bare bones, but they that was a demolition job at times. Um, and then they, Sinclair and Barkey at wing back. Uh, yeah. Pretty much full back. And we just, we had a, we had a penalty appeal at 3 1, didn't we? The Gemil went down. Mm. And if he gives that, it's 3 2 and potentially be it back in the game. They went up the other end and scored straight away, pretty much. Just ruthless. They were just ruthless that day. Yeah. And I know that was under their former coach. And then I thought they were really well organised when we came to Deepdale. I know they've sort of got the, got the win through a penalty, but they deserve to be second in the league. And I think, you know, watching them, you can tell they are where they are on merit. You know, in terms of coming up, runners up to Norwich. Norwich haven't beat us. I, I know that sounds strange, but like, he's, we've sort of done a job on him in both games, really. I know it's like a 95th minute deflected equaliser at home, but, you know, Pucky's had four chances and missed them all. So if you don't put them away, you deserve to get punished, really, in the home game. And then when we went down there on the opening away game for us, we were excellent. You know, it's a deck mistake for their first. And was it a story mistake for the second? Um, it was another mistake for the second goal anyway from the set piece. So two mistakes, you know, that cost us an extra two points in essence. But I think Cardiff have been decent against us as well. I know they've not ended up where they needed to be, but we've not scored against them. And I think they've put five past us in the, t- in the two games we've played against them. Again, at their place battered us. I think, but I'm going to reflect on this and I'm going to probably contradict everything I've just said. You've got to look at how we were playing at the time as well. We've played some good teams when we've been shit, which hasn't helped. Yeah. Well, it's obviously never going to help, is it? But, but uh, Ollie? Uh, Brentford. Quite, quite an easy answer, that, Luke. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've got three answers to the question. Um, one is the first one's Brentford for the same reason everyone else is, is given the same reason as Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I, everything about Brentford always impresses me. And I think George, it might have been Brentford you wrote about afterwards to just say Brentford are impressive, basically, um, and they are. <clears throat> the second one is Rovers Blackburn, um, which were controversial. There's such a soft, such a soft underbelly and so inconsistent. But when they were playing well this season, they were they were almost almost unstoppable. And I don't know, I don't know how they've not ended up competing at the top end of the table. George is laughing because he knows that this is where the uh, this is where the hate begins on Twitter. But, Mind um, the gap. Mind the gap. <laughs> so this is probably the time to leave the Zoom call. Luke, to be honest. <laughs> So, so, so they. I mean, it's 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 they, they fell on their own, own, own sword a little bit and never really achieved what they should have achieved this this season. But they did look great in spells, um, but also terrible in spells. And then the third one was Wickham, just because I I, I was I was always impre- impressed that they that they did us, that they did us over twice. Um, I think that a little bit like us, they punch above the weight, but they at this point we're punching so far above the weight. And I just, I just see a lot to admire in that. Um, so, so those three, yeah. I mean, obviously Norwich are a fantastic side, but 
it was, it was those three that stand out to me. I think the one that stands out for me is, I know, George, you mentioned it before, but Luton. I know we were garbage on the day, but we just looked like deer in headlights. We couldn't, couldn't yeah. cope with the fact that they had fans in the stadium and they just they just tore us apart. Yeah. Who manages Luton, Holly? Um, I don't really follow championship football anymore, George. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just on, on the Blackburn point, no. If, if they got, there's a, a few decent managers, if they got decent coach, like with their squad, they should be pushing top six. Because like, like Luke said, they're front three. Obviously, they won't have Elliot next season, but on fire at times this Probably season. Probably won't have Armstrong either, will they? Mm, not sure. Not sure if someone will take the risk. But... Well, I was going to say, Ollie, um, what, how, do, how do you reckon Alex Neal would do if he went to Rovers? Well, I, I'm, I put this out a few months ago um, and everyone thinks they do shit, but I think he do very well. <laughs> so, got, you got a lot of shit for it, didn't you? Yeah, I think he's waiting for the right moment. I think with that type of squad as well, they got a lot of good energetic players. I think they suit how he likes to play. Um, I think he would do very well there. I think it'd be a good fit. Hope he goes there. Don't care. Last one then before we break. Player of the season. Um, I know, obviously, it's been announced by the club what the fans have voted for in terms of player of the season and obviously what the players have voted for for their player of the season. And it was unanimous in that respect uh, and, and I'm the same for me it was Ryan Ledson um, he's stepped up to the plate I think is, is a good way of putting it um, obviously during the return of football last season in the lockdown he he was given a run and he did really well and he was probably the standout player for that period and he's carried it on into this season and, and I think thoroughly deserved to win the win the award for me I disagree I, I think Ledson's been excellent Um Really stepped up to the level this season. It's probably a coming of age season for him more than anything. You know, he had a bit of a blip at one point. I think it was maybe December, January, when he went off the boil a little bit. But I don't think you can really give it anyone was, else. Was he injured around that time as well? Possibly. Um, I can't remember what I did yesterday. No mind what what happened in December. But um, yeah, I think he's just been consistent all for the majority of the season. Um, he's up there in terms of minutes, plays, you know, he's been, he's not really had that many stinkers. That's put the best way I can describe it. The only person who's come close to me is Danny Iverson, for, for me. I think Jordan Story stepped up last sort of 10 games of the season, but got to look at it from a full sort of September to now perspective, haven't we really, in terms of the season. So, yeah, it's got to be led some for me. Luke? <clears throat> I think, first and foremost, Ryan Ledson deserves all the awards that come in this season, um, even if it is a somewhat shallow pool compared to what we'd like. But I think what the people Jimmy mentioned there, like Iverson, obviously, has had a, a fantastic half-season for us. Um, and if we're lucky enough to have him back at the club next season, then that would that, just be bonkers, almost, in my mind, at the moment. Um, and then I think Alan Brown has had a, a decent season as well and he's been played out of position so much and just cracked on with it and always looked like the leader I guess which he now is in the role that he's got and um, I, Brad Potts I, I always like Brad Potts he gets so much grief and maybe that's the only reason I like him but I, I, just, I just think I just think so much of it is unnecessary and um, he's got a very important goal for us obviously towards the end of the season which was a deflection, but 
um, <clears throat> his attitude just impresses me. So I just wanted to get a little bit, bit of Brad Potts, Brad Potts love in there. Um, I think when we did the 2021 to gave it to Alan Brown, so I'll probably stick with Brownie. Um, like Luke said, I think he's played pretty much everywhere. Um, I think he's like a proper leader now as well. He's obviously had a few stinkers. Um, I don't think he's a number six at all, so that might be something to look at going forward. But yeah, I think he's like a proper championship player. I think he'd get into most championship squads. Um, I'm not sure Ledson would. Like, I think Ledson's been very good for us, but I think he's um, operating quite close to his potential already. Um, like, I think the type of player he is as well, like he gets, he gets people going. He's a good lad around the change room, etc. cetera. Um, he's a very valuable member of the team, but probably give it Brownie. Um, hopefully again, kick on next season with his new contract and sort of 26, 25, 25, 26, really needs to kick on, get back into double figures if he can and get, get into the Island squad. Cause he's had a few good appearances for Ireland as well this season. Yeah. He's, Done well. Do you think as well with a bit more time playing in that ten, that'll help him to kick on? I'd still play him at right back. Me, I think that's probably just in my head. But um, yeah, I, I think we need to. Set, we'll come on to it. But I think we need to sign number ten. Um, but yeah, get Brownie in the box and I'll score your goals. Just not really been in the box much this season, has he? No, George. Uh, probably Ledson to be honest. Like Luke said, I don't think it's a very high standard for it this year. But pretty pretty steady throughout. One of few who, you know, you couldn't tell he was playing in behind closed doors, which I think was his sort of credit to him. It didn't wasn't easy uh, to maintain that all season long. Uh, I think he carried a few players through matches as well. So big season for him. Uh, still only twenty three as well, by the way. So yeah, good good year for him. But yeah, I'm not. No one else was close really for me. I think if Everson was here all season, you know, he'd probably get it. Ched was obviously very good. But yeah, yeah I was Led- just just gonna say. Ledson. I think Ched deserves a mention. I think he's done really well. Uh, obviously, we've we've had our say on his off the field past, but from mm. a footballing point of view, he's 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 done well. I think he's maybe not proved a lot of people wrong, but he's he's staked a claim for himself. We played pretty much every game, started every game, so scored five yeah. goals, set a few up. Not sure we'd have got 17 points without him, to be honest. Well, I think he's better than Stockley, isn't he? <laughs> that's who he's replaced, isn't it, really? I mean, it's... Well, no, nah, Jimmy, that's what we were saying, weren't it, for ages? Like, he's, be- he's better it's, than Stockley. It's not good. We've signed him, see how he goes. Not seen him play that much, to be honest, so... I think he's done well to be fair to him. He's definitely a focal point for, for when we're attacking. You know, he's, he's the person that we tend to target quite a lot in terms of if we're going longer, if we're going direct, it goes to Chad. Yeah. You know, and the amount of times he goes down in the penalty box, he's always in the penalty box. This is the thing that I like about him. You know, he's he's got he's quite ruthless ruthlessly minded in terms of that he just wants to be in the box and he'll be doing anything he can to get in the box every time and like the amount of times he's tripped himself up in the box and tried to win a penalty you know we're probably talking upwards of half a dozen dozen times that he's tried to win a penalty I don't mind that I don't mind it if we're well, trying that. to force the issue yeah bit of shit housing it's fine um, but we've probably missed that since Garn's left and, and Jordan to a certain extent I think Maguire had it in his first season didn't he yeah when he'd go down literally if you tap him with a feather duster it'll fall on his ass. yeah so, you know, 
I think Chad's similar to that. Refs have gotten onto it, a bit like they did with, with Garner, like in terms of like Garner's would be getting swiped out in the end and refs would be giving nothing. Yeah. But I think, you know, Chad does go down quite easily, but it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Cheers, boys. I think unless you boys have got anything else you want to add for part one, then we can uh, go and grab a brew and come back for part two. The juicy dip. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanx Live. Lanx Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan, and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanx Live is that the news is all free to read, and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanx.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we've got a little discussion about what needs to change at the club for next season. Uh, it's going to be a massive summer, and then we'll finish off by talking about the statement that was released on the club website as well. Uh, yeah, it's no secret that the summer is going to be massive. Uh, but for you boys, what what do you think? What do you think needs to change at the club for us to sort of start moving towards success again? <sighs> Where do you start? I was going to say that. Where where do you start? Do you look off the pitch or do you look on the pitch first? I think that I suppose you've got to get the fundamentals in in place um, off the pitch before you can start to move on on it. For me, you know, we've obviously been set up the analytics department. You know, the new recruitment team, which hopefully will be expanded um, because they can't just be Peter and James B. I don't think that's fair on them too, and obviously relying on. Don't forget Craig Lawler. And Craig Lawler, yeah, and part-time university students. I don't think we can rely on on those guys to. Yeah, recruitment's just massive because obviously January 2020, I think we went top in November 19, didn't we? Um, signed Scott Sinclair, that was it. Didn't really freshen up anything. Could have given us an extra little push. And then last summer, we signed one player, Emil Reese. I think in a statement today, it said. Um, you know, there was very little activity across the whole championship. But I think me and Jimmy, I think Jimmy, was it only us and Brentford signed less than five players? Or Bournemouth, Bournemouth, sorry. Us and Bournemouth. Bournemouth. So literally yeah. 22 out of 24 clubs managed to get five new players in the building. Preston signed one player. Um, Wickham, Huddersfield, Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Luton, all paid fees last summer. Obviously, we paid a fee, but it weren't like there was nothing going on in the football world. I think our recruitment last summer let us down badly. Um, that obviously led to January, a bit of desperation. And obviously we're in a similar situation now. Um, so we need to get like seven, eight, nine players in, I'd say. Um, how we do that, I don't really know. It's tough, isn't it? Because these next... I, I think we're going to a period of consolidation next season, truth be told. I think we're going to really steady the ship. Don't I don't expect us to be pushing top six next season. I think we'll put the fundamentals in place these next twelve months. Hopefully, tie these contracts down. I know Peter's obviously mentioned in his statement today about contracts, but we need, do need to tie them to players down. 
if they want to stay, they want to stay. If they don't, then let's look to move them on and bring in replacements. Let's do it now, not wait until January when the horse is bolted. Um, because we've been sort of caught by that before. It's all well and good of saying that you know no one came in for Ben Davis or Ben Pearson or Darnell last summer, but were we actively touting them out if, they, if we didn't think they were going to sign for a new contract? And it's all well and good. People are saying that nobody spent any money. Well, teams did spend money last January, last last summer after the pandemic. There was teams that did spend money. So, well, Ollie's it, just listed five or six in the championship that did. Well, they're they're um, clubs that have, have signed players. People would. No, no, he said. Well, spent Wickham, Wick, even Wickham paid a fee last summer. Huddersfield, Rotherham, okay. Wednesday, Luton, Barnsley, QPR, two million on Dykes. Um, there's there's clubs there so, that some of our fans no doubt would argue are smaller clubs than us. Yeah, and, absolutely. And they're, they're out spending money. Yeah. So I think I said the fundamentals are really key this year. This these next twelve months without the fundamentals, how can you progress your business? I think. You know, I think, look at it from that point of view. Yeah, I think the club needs to be open about what the ambition is next season because I think in the last two or three seasons, I think we've all felt pretty confident about aiming for the top six. Um, I don't know if I don't know if anyone else picked up on it, but I noticed in the statement which we'll come on to in a bit, it said it mentioned about being competitive, which that that's a a sea change from the the Premier League ambition that we've had over the last well, few years. So I think that says everything. If you look at the squad compared to say twenty four months ago, it's weaker. It's weaker than it was twelve months ago, and it's weaker than it was six months ago. The squad has evolved to become weaker and that needs to change otherwise we're just going to go one way doesn't matter who was part of that not because we 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 sort of had a perfect storm of players come through and 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 play for us at the right time it's really hard to it's really hard to replicate that again isn't it is it yeah if you've got the right if you've got the right recruitment strategy in place and it's long term and it's not just short-sighted then i think you can do anything you know, I'm, not saying, Barnsley, I'm, not it's, I'm not saying it's unachievable, though. I just, I think it's <clears> been partly our own downfall, though. Signing, our recruitment has shifted. Like, if you look at the sale of assets now, we've got Ryan Ledson, who followed that pattern. You've yeah. arguably got Tom Bailey, who has a good season next season, maybe Jordan Story. Those three sort of fall under the same category as what Alan Brown, DJ, Hugo Robinson were. We've started signing players like Jaden Stockley, Joe Rafferty, Connor Ripley, Andy Hughes, Greg Cunningham. Chad Evans, Brad Potts. These players aren't saleable assets. They're just meant to be squad fillers and they've become our core squad players. So, you know, if you're selling players for however, however much it has been, probably 20 million pound, and then you're getting left with those mid-20 players, I think you are going to end up in a troubling situation like we find ourselves in now. And I think this has been building for two years, really. Um, you know, even Patrick Bauer, when we signed him, that was probably the last sort of big signing that we've probably competed for. I think Blackburn were in for him. I think a couple of others were. Like, I feel like the recruitment's probably been very lazy. Um, so, that you know, you can you can start a manager, you can blame him for whatever went wrong, but is Frankie McAvoy a better coach and he's going to get more out of a poor squad than Alex Neal did? I don't know. Ollie, what did you make about the point that if a player's not good enough when he's 20, he's likely to never be? To be honest, on, on the under-23 thing, I'm on the same lines. Like, I'm not a massive fan of the under-23 system. I prefer a B-team system. Um, 
you don't have to you don't have to develop your own players. You can sign them like Brentford do from wherever. Everyone develops at different rates, though, don't you? Jordan Hugo was probably twenty three when he got his chance. He's now an absolute yeah, animal. I think. Like there's always exceptions to, to, to the rule. To write a player off at a certain age, yeah, exactly. To write a player off at a certain age, I think is just. I don't think it's right. To be fair, I think you know you look at. It might not happen a lot in the championship. There's a lot of players in League One and League Two that have established careers for themselves by being released by a Premier League or a Championship club at 18, 19, 20 and gone on to have a good career. I'm talking about Dion Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dion Charles. Yeah. Dion Charles is 25. He got let go by Blackpool at 18. He got let go by Fleetwood at 20. He's now got 27 goals in 71 games for Ackington and Northern Ireland caps. He's 25. You know, so. Th- there is players out there that can get to the age of 20 and can establish good careers for themselves in the top two tiers of English football. Jamie Vardy, you know, the biggest example out there ever, you know, of a player that at 20 years old is playing for, what was it? Stocksbridge, Stocks was Street it? Park, Steels, yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously we turned him down. Well, we didn't turn him down. We decided not to stump up the money for him when he was at Halifax under Magic Morris Lindsay. And obviously, he goes to Fleetwood, then gets a million pound move to Leicester, and the rest is history, isn't it? Golden Boot winner in the Premier League, Premier League winner, FA Cup winner, been in England squads at Euros and World Cups. Yeah, nice one, Morris. Um, but but there's players out there. You can't just say if they're not if they're not going to make it at twenty, they're never going to make it because that's absolute nonsense. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of drop off. There's a massive drop off at eighteen anyway. You only have to look at the academy system to understand that. When a player gets released, where did they go? You know, there's players that got released last summer out of, from the exodus because obviously we didn't sign anyone. You know, you've got Jack Armour that's ripping trees up at Carlisle, you know, and doing really well in League Two. Probably going to get a League One move next season if he, if he carries on the way he's going. Yeah, you know, he's keeping their, keeping their club captain out of the team. Yeah. yeah someone Just look at Carlisle G- said in the press today that they think Jack Armour will be one that pressed and regret letting go. Yeah. Possible, but he was just got an under twenty, under nineteen international when we let him go. Like Preston fan, but big massive Preston fan, you know. But yeah, the sentiment aside, there is players out there at twenty years old that will get released from clubs that will go on to have very successful careers in the top two tiers of English football. We can't just write them off because you know. And I, I get the under twenty threes point completely. I, I don't think it. I think it's technical. You know, in terms of quality, there's a lot of tech, but there's, it lacks intensity. That's the big thing for me. You can't compare, you know, the intensity of under 23 football to the intensity in the championship because it's completely different levels. Mm. And, you know, don't wrong, Sep, Sep stepped up at 19, you know, and he's, he's shone like a beacon, let's be honest, since January in terms of quality, you know, and he's a centre half playing at right wing back. So I find it a little bit. I know why we're not having another 23s team. I get it because of the finances. And if that finance is going to get reinvested in the team, 100% behind it. But let's not just completely write off players at 20 years old because they're not making the grade at that moment in time when they're costing peanuts to keep, you know, that might be worth the development when you bring, when we're bringing in players on probably between 15 and 16 times the, their annual salary that, again, aren't doing the business on the pitch in the Championship. Financially, it just doesn't make sense. Jake, look at Fashion Takala, who's just gone from Austin to Rangers. He was playing in Zambia until he was 20. 
Moved to Spartak Moscow, did nothing there until he was 22. Moved to Ostend, age 22. Just moved to Rangers. So everyone's on a different path. Like I said, I think it's, I think it's wrong to just put a, a limit on it or a cap on it and say if they're not going to be ready by a certain level, then they probably never will be. Yeah, maybe a majority won't be, but everyone develops differently, don't they? Um, Luke, George, what, what for you needs to to change in the summer? Or what could be improved or what, what could be done differently? I'm very much in the camp of the fan that thinks Peter Ridsdale and whoever else behind the scene have a borderline impossible job. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's lots of examples out there that prove that not to be the case. But, you know, the the thing the, this, the, um, the parameters they have to operate within are really quite difficult. Um, <clears throat> that being said, I think all the conversations we've had about the transfer policy are really, really, really good points. Um, and always about saleable assets in particular is a really good point. And I've, I've heard you lads talking about it on the podcast where you look back now and you go, <clears throat> who's who, who's our next big set sale? And, and there isn't one, really. Um, it may, may have been suggested that Story and Ledson were the best options people we might move on for some money, um, which aren't going to be five million pound players, even though I've got a lot of time for them both. <clears throat> so I think, I think, I think you know, a change of transfer policy to something that does bring in players that are sellable assets is, is a really important thing and it helps, helps make the club a more viable prospect. Um, <clears throat> there's also lots of discussion on the pod about how the club markets itself and, and, you know, trying to drum up some excitement around season tickets. I know Jimmy's talked about it loads. And I'm sure that I'm sure that work has been done on that front, but I don't know what it is. And it's not reaching me, whatever it is. Now, if that's because I don't pick up the Lancashire Evening Post sound, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> the, 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 there's, it needs to be more creative, doesn't it? There's other people out there. Um, other people out there to Just reach. On that, like, there's why is why is there why are they not involving fans in the process? For example, is there a reason? Do you think why they're not doing that? Obviously, I'm not talking about pricing structure and stuff, but talk to the fans. You know, they've been away from the club. Talk to them and ask them what what they want, what they'll get, what what will get them sort of engaged again, what will get them excited about going back into Deepdale and, and involve them in the process because. There was, there was some statement, I think, put out last summer uh, and a line in that, something along the lines of we've consulted with fans. I, I don't know any fans that were consulted for whatever it was that it was referring to, but, you know, why, why can't they do that and get a bit more creative and think a bit more outside of the box and involve the people that are the most important to them at this time, especially in moving forward? I'd love to see... Um... Again, it's not the most original idea in the world. I'd love to see, like, you know, a, a, a legitimate fan zone set up somewhere to socialise before. Um, much as I love the Adelphi, do you know what I mean? It's, it'd be nice to be around the ground um, before before a game. And, and uh, you know what? As it is, there's no reason to be around the ground before a game. Um, and 
and that walk across Moor Park just gets more and more depressing, unfortunately, <laughs> especially as you get towards December. Um, <clears throat> so, so, you know, what, a little bit of a little bit of willing being shown in, in aspects such as that, I think, would go a long way. Um, but, but then, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because it, it, it's entirely feasible that all this money is invested in all these different things, and then it doesn't really pay any dividend. I think it's probably true that there needs to be a surge and there needs to be a rush into these things at a point where North Ender may be top of the league, just for example, or pushing for the playoffs anyway. No point. There's no point in doing any of this at the point where North Ender 18th, because it's not going to, you could give, you could give them away and they won't come. Do you know what I mean? So it's been, it's been it's been a little bit clever about when when you do turn turn the levers a little bit, I think. I think I think Jake Preston are just so reliant on the core fan base and they're very reluctant to try and do anything apart from that. Obviously, whatever's happened with the marketing stuff and the season ticket pricing needs to come out. But I think people are most concerned about the actual football. Like, is the football good? Are you invested in the team? Are you near the top of the league, like Luke just said? Um, I feel like when we were around the playoffs a couple of seasons with Alex Neal, we probably didn't uh, capitalise on it as much as we could have at the time. Um, and that's obviously gone now. So I think they'll be relying on people desperate to get back in grounds, basically. I know I'm, I'm not desperate at all to get back in. I know you, you lads are, but um, I'll be very interested to see what the first attendance is. Because um, uh, if we're being honest at the minute, the only thing getting us back in the ground is the fact that we've not been there for ages. There's nothing else to entice us in. That's the thing. So, but how quickly does that habit wear off? Say well, the football. It's, it's, it's worn off for me. It's worn off for me, Jimmy. Yeah. So, say the football's crap in August. What do happens then? What happens in September? You know, when it's dark in the evenings. Mm. You know, autumn, and it's chucking it down on a Tuesday night. You know, when we're playing Coventry at home. You've right. faced with that walk across Moor Park, like Luke's just said. People are just going to be like, you know what? Watch your own on red button. Watch your own on red button. Yeah. That's the issue. It's like, what do we do to combat that? You know, I think I've, I've harped on enough on this podcast, mate, about it. it needs to be more about than just the 90 minutes. Um, you know, we've got a real good opportunity to hit the reset button in terms of that for me. You know, we have got opportunities to do something completely different and actually really engage the fan base. You know, you, you go around, the, you know, when we're in grounds, you look around other stadiums and think, God, these are doing that. Chamay Rovers have released a, mm -hmm. their their plans today for a yeah. fan zone. It's absolutely incredible. Well, it's forward it's thinking, it? but it's risk and reward. Like, and, I, and I get, if we're a bit cautious about it because we're not sure how many people are going to use it and stuff, you know, the old phases build it and they will come. You know, why not give it a, why not take a bit of a risk? You know, it's not, you know, what's 20 grand in the grand scheme of things? Because we're, we're spunking that sort of money on, on a week's wage for a player that's sat on the bench, you know. So 20 grand to set something up for a season that might bring in, you know, double that. But it's actually getting fans engaged and it's, it's that reward piece for me because then you've got a reason to go to Deepdale every Saturday at two o'clock and spend 20 quid in a fan zone or, you know, spend a couple of quid getting your kids face painted or just do the little things that actually mean stuff to people when they go to the ground and not just rely on them rocking up at five to three, buying a pie at half time that North NC very little of a cut of because obviously all the catering's outsourced. 
and it's like there's no real emphasis on what it means for North End customers because at the end of the day, that's what we are as fans. We are customers of the club to go and part with 400, 500, 600 quid as a season ticket and then a, and then a shirt, not that you can get an away shirt since probably the latter part of last season. You know, I've got people that are still looking for that Navy shirt in a large that haven't been able to get hold of one. You know, it's like... But it's just shambles, that, isn't it? Yeah, but that's not North... But it's not North End's no, fault as no, well. I'm not, not saying aspect. that it's the club's fault. Like, but... Bring it in-house. I mean, suppose what, what you could exactly. level at the club is... What you could level at the club is complacency. And I think it's just risk-averse. It's just... It is. Just risk-averse management, isn't it? Like, that's how it's always going to be. Um, but there's ways... Of, like, you can self-sustain with a player transfer model. You can. You can do it. Barnes are in the top six doing it. Like, you can do it. Barnes, they aren't even a one-off because Brentford do it. They just do it on a bigger scale. They started in League One. Yeah. Norwich, they do it to an extent now. Well, slightly different because they've been a yo-yo club. Yeah. But I think Barnes is the best example, obviously, this season. But just be more creative. With Don't give three-and-a-half-year deals to players like Ripley and Rafferty. Three-and-a-half-year deals... We've just released five or six players who we give good contracts to who are never going to make an impression. It's just Graham Burke was never going to make an impression. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you need to be a lot smarter in the transfer market, I think. And But if the club don't want to get promoted or don't have genuine ambition to get promoted, that's fine as long as they don't say they've got Premier League ambition. The two things need to match up. Does the managerial appointment get fans excited? I don't know. Because last time, the criteria had to be Premier League promotion. Alex Neil had Premier League promotion. What's the criteria this time? The, the, the Premier League question is like, just a ridiculous one, isn't it? Because then, on the other side of it, on the, if Preston North End were to get promoted, on the other side of it, you've got, what's, what's, what, what then? What do you achieve then? Is it do, do, do Premier League football fans actually enjoy it? Are Brighton fans buzzing at the moment? Do Burnley fans wake up excited to watch the football team? I don't know, generally don't know the answer to all these questions, but I don't even think it's something that should be sought after so heavily. Only that Preston North End have never managed to achieve it, and that's an exciting thing if we do. But then what? We either, <clears throat> either finish 20th and get battered all year, or the alternative is finishing 16th for a few seasons in a row, and that's not really exciting either. It was a little bit like when we went that, when we went down to League One, and I'm sure there was lots of fans that were excited about that and the new away days and actually being <clears throat> not the underdog for a change. Um, just yeah, on your Premier League thing. point, Luke, uh, when we had uh, Kieran Maguire on from the Price of Football podcast, he said to us, he was like, uh, don't get me wrong, lads, like, you know, I enjoy the fact that my club's in the Prem, but he said it's no fun. Like, I think it's, you'd rather be shit in the Prem than shit in the Championship, though. <clears throat> yeah, you would. And, and I think, for me at least, my take on it is that I think a lot of North End fans have a, a hope that should we get promoted that it would be a, a change of things at the club that that influx of money might be the start of something new at the club because we've never been there we don't know and I think it is that that sort of element of unknown that is sort of 
the reason that we want to get promoted. But then again, if you're in if you're in the football league, everyone wants to get promoted. Like it is the it's the aim, isn't it? Otherwise, you just try to make it a closed shop if you're not bothered about getting promoted. It's not to say I'm not bothered about it. I just think that the 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 the, the inequalities in the football pyramid just mean that the end result isn't really that exciting a lot of the time. And and maybe it can be done in a way that is exciting. And maybe there are examples out there. Maybe Sheffield United and their one season of overperformance is a good example of that. But I just I, I'm no more excited about the idea. Like you said, it's better being it's better being cack in the Premier League than it is in the Championship. I'm not sure I believe that. I'm just not bothered. 127 million pound in TV revenue would set us up, wouldn't it? Rather than seven million quid that we're currently getting in the Championship. You know, and that's wonderful. That, that, that is wonderful, but it's not going in my pocket, is it? You know what I mean? That, I, 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 know, I, just want, I just want to have an entertaining time if I go and watch football. See, I, I, I'm not of that opinion. I, I had that one year in the sun to get that, to be honest, to get the cash in the bank because that's probably what we'd do with it and try and do what Burnley have done to then sustain a position in, in the Premier League. Because I think you can be a yo-yo club for the first couple of years, but as long as you then set up to settle in that in that league, and you do need a lot of luck, you know, the, how many times Burnley have finished 17th and being near enough on the cusp of coming down, but have stayed up and kept the riches flowing. And I think the other thing for North End fans' perspective is that they've seen everyone else around us have their moment in that, that limelight. You know, even them lot down the road, you know, as Tim Potter as they are, I've, I've had a year in the Premier League and have been to a Championship playoff final. And since they've been at that level, they've had the opportunity to go back up, you know, from, I think they got beat, was it Cardiff in the second final? West Ham, think, West Ham, yeah, yeah it was. Um, so it was, yeah, they could beat Cardiff in the first final, didn't they? And then yeah. West, lost to West Ham. But I think financially, you know, because then the day, money makes the world go round. And we are so reliant on Trevor and his millions. You know, £117 million is invested in the club in the 11 years he's been running the gaff. So what's that? Short of £11 million a year. That's not peanuts for him. You know, consistently £11 million every year he's writing that checkout to, to keep us pretty much afloat. In, you know, and we've spent, what, four years in League One in that time as well. So... I get it, and I get football should be entertaining because end of the day, it's meant to be an enjoyable sport. However, I also look at the flip side of it as if we're competing in the championship and we're finishing 12th and the the expectation from the club is that we're going to be mid-table for a couple of years, then we're going to, whilst we reset the basics, get the fundamentals in place, then we can look to kick on. You know, Ala Brentford, Barnsley, the two examples of that that have got the fundamentals in place off the fi- off the field, and now they're sort of getting the rewards on it. Okay. I wouldn't mind. I'd, I'd settle for a couple of years of mediocrity to know that we've got a plan because at the minute it feels like we're just pissing in the wind. And we haven't really got a plan. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't feel like we have much of a plan, does it? As a club, mm. if we're not bothered about getting into prem, then we might as well just pack up and go home. Right, what's the point? Like, why, why do we support North End if we're not bothered about getting to the Premier League? So, well, I think this is why I try to focus so much on the the, the experience of of going to Deepdale is because ultimately I, I don't go. I don't, if I if, you know if I wanted to watch the team win every week, I'd just go and support United Liverpool. I? I like going to watch Preston North End play football, and I like the experience of it. 
separate to everything else that goes on on the pitch. So all of the things that Jimmy says about making it about more than that 90 minutes, everything we do there is is only a bonus to me. But it's, you know, it's... And I know what you're saying, like, we, you know, you need to want to... You need to want your club to succeed, and I absolutely do. But <clears throat> I guess it's just such a tiresome sport to follow sometimes, having just watched everyone act like City have done something amazing. Sorry, Ollie. When they've got all this money behind them, and I just, I'm just not bothered. They could, they could have won. The, they could have won every single game this season, and I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Well, we just enjoy football different ways, because Man United have got as much money behind them, and they're shite. We, we don't enjoy football in different ways. You're absolutely right, and I'm, I'm being flippant to an extent. But the, the point, the point is that in, never in our wildest dreams could North End ever compete at that level, and. That does somewhat. Well, Sheffield United finished seventh, didn't they, in the Prem a couple of seasons ago? Yeah. And, we... and they followed it up well to their credit, but. <laughs> no, but seventh. We would say that's not in our wildest dreams. They're, they're Burnley finished seventh as well, and that was fantastic when they did. And and, set, and that's probably the very, very utmost that Preston North End could look to achieve, I'd say. And, yeah. and I'd be very excited. I'd be very excited that season. I snap your hand off for a European tour. Oh. <laughs> The things I'd do to go and watch North End in Europe. <laughs> the, 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 the point I'm trying to make, though, is that I've kind of separated myself from, from worrying too much about that side of things. I just like going to watch Preston North End. Mm. And the, the more that the club can do to make that enjoyable. Because I, I think... Surely just having good players and a good coach makes that enjoyable. Like, do we, I don't, where's the plan to have good players and a good coach? It's, well, it's important, isn't it? I, I completely agree. The squad just, just got worse and worse, and that statement today gives me no gives me no belief that we're going to be competing next season on the pitch. So, just I was that was going to be my next point was just on on the statement uh, where you all sort of sort of sat on it really, where you all all felt about it. I mean, for me, the tone of it didn't sit right with me. It felt and read a lot like. We're the club. We're right. This is what's going to happen. If you don't like it, tough shit. It's very much we know best, like it or not, wasn't it? That was the um, that was the the main sort of take I got from it. Don't run. There's actually some good content in there, but there's also some absolute, some really patronising stuff in there as well that that affected me. I was like, why? Why are we saying that? We don't. We, the stuff that was patronising and, and was like, this is our way, like it or not, never needed to be in that statement. Didn't need to be in there. There was there was no need for it. It's like it's it was like it was put in there to sort of prove a point. And end of the day, whilst we are supporters, we're also customers, and people will vote with a pocket if they don't feel valued as customers. You know, we this in the statement it says about season tickets are going to get launched in the next couple of weeks. People are going to read that. Some people will be like, oh, it's amazing. The club are communicating with us. It's what we should be doing anyway. That's you know, but we don't need to treat people like idiots because uh, and say that you know some people underrate the squad. I'm not being funny. Frankie McAvoy's had eight games in charge, and probably six of them games were dead rubber, dead rubbers for the other side. You know, so let's test him over the first half of next season because this could all go tits up very quickly if we don't hit the ground running. And it's like we can't just say that the squad has like took this massive, you know, incredible silver bullet and the 
improve their abilities overnight as a squad. I get they've got a lot of freedom now and they're, they're, they're playing to a better level of their ability, but they've not just become better players overnight by taking this magical silver bullet. You know, we're still lacking, you know, depth in quality. We've played the same team pretty much throughout Frankie's games and three of them players are on loan and have gone back to their parent club. Mm. So only eight players are ours. And We've said, haven't we, Jim, in the last couple of weeks that one of the reasons that Frankie wouldn't have been our choice personally is that the test of a manager is over a full season. We've got injuries and suspensions and all that to deal with. He's never had that. It's all well and good. So, and, and absolute full credit to him. The eight games that he's had, he's done really, really well. And he deserves the gig. really look past but, him for the but, job. But he, Jake, he's deserved Jake, it, but... To... Go on. If we didn't... Those last three games of the season were all dead rubbers. If we lost those three in a row, would he have got the job? Probably not. So is he getting the job on, on the basis of winning some dead rubbers? Because obviously in the short term, it's probably a refreshing change for the players from Alex Neal's intensity every day. The players probably feel like they've got a bit of freedom. It's nice and cosy with Gally on the coaching staff, etc. Reminds me of the short run bounce that Bristol City got with Dean Holden. Dean Holden goes in there. I think he's sacked by January, whatever it is. Um, because... You know, similar when Lee, Lee Johnson left there, very intense character, been there a few, probably similar time to Alex Neal. Dean Holden steps in, gets a few results. Bristol City go for the cheap option in the end. Like, like you say, every credit to him because you can only win the games for Frontier. But yeah. if he's got the basis, if he's got the job on the base of winning a few dead rubbers, then how much confidence does it give you for next season? Like, And there was a lot of talk because even I remember speaking to George and you were shitting yourself, George, about getting relegated. Alex Neal was sacked on 44 points. We could have picked up zero points from those eight games and we wouldn't have been relegated. We could have lost every single game and we would have more points than Wickham. So Frankie McAvoy had no pressure. We were never getting relegated. Um, so I understand what the club said about you couldn't look past him the eight results, but I don't think those eight results are a true predictor of what's come next season. Mm-hmm. He doesn't going, feel, that's, sorry, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't the, feel ruthless. The, the proper test of a manager is over a full season. No, yeah. yeah. Is he is he going to make the tough decisions? Who knows? I think he's got to. He's got no choice now. He has to make the tough decisions. He's in the gig. So the the proof will be in the pudding come August. You know, for the, them first sort of 12 games and that sort of eight, nine weeks at the start of the season where, you know, you can't be, you can't be promoted in the first 12 weeks of a season, but you can put yourself in a right bad fight if it doesn't come off. And, you know, I want him to hit the ground running because I, like, I think he's come across a really likeable character. You know, he's clearly got the players on side. You know, the football we've been playing has been quite basic, quite direct, but let's be honest, it's done a job. So let's see what players to get brought in in the window because we do need to bring players in. Let's not beat around the bush. There's got to be a bit of an overhaul and... If we don't freshen up the squad, then we're going to go be going back to what we were in January 2020 when we were in the playoffs. We're bringing Scott Sinclair and no one else. And Alex Neal started mo- having a bit of a moan at that point, saying he wanted more. You know, and fair play to him. What happens? We finish ninth. Yeah. You know, and we fall completely out of the playoffs and our form, and you know, people start turning Alex at that point. But end of the day, was he suitably back to that point? No, he wasn't. Let's be honest. The point about in the statement that 
people didn't rate the squad. That was from Alex Neal as much as anyone else. Like, it was like fans were only echoing what the manager was was saying. And I think Frankie came in and did what was needed. He saw something because I think when I, when Neil's had so many good players from him taken away, I imagine that's very hard to then see the good in a squad and to not feel like everything's against you. Whereas Frankie, you know, he's different pair of eyes. Saw the good things in it, and fair enough, he got the results. But the the, the talk about the squad not being good enough that was that was coming from the manager who was saying we had a settled squad. Now we don't. Um, you know, the Fisher one was the really weird one, as we touched on. Uh, that sale. So, yeah, Frankie, I think, like you said, couldn't have done any more. Perfect for eight games. Let's see how many points we've got after the first 10 games next season. Because if it doesn't go to plan, I'm guessing, you know, the, the club had other targets um, who they may want to go back, back for. So, if it doesn't work out, I, I imagine there'll be someone else you can go and get relatively straightforwardly but Alex hope he does well because he's like Jim said he's a very likeable person yeah I want to add about the statement I think um, Yeah, I think what Jimmy said about it in that so much of it was unnecessary seemed like the most pertinent point to me the 32 red thing could have been really good news and they've almost buried good news amidst what some fans viewed as you know being condescending ultimately and I, you know like who's who's advising Peter that this is an acceptable statement to put out because that person's not doing a great job if he's getting advised at all well he's, you know he's, he's, he's the top man or, or, or second two isn't he so it might be that somebody feels like they can't give him that advice but someone needs to be saying that this this is this, this 32 red thing great everyone's going to be buzzing about this let's get rid of all this work that's going to make everyone think that it's not the best statement in the world. And it just could have been handled so much better. Um, it was, it was borderline just, just on unprofessional, well. Jim, you, actually. Yeah. Jim, you made a really good point about it before, that gambling sponsors in football are going to be non-existent in the very near future. Now, if it hadn't have been sort of included in the way it was like Luke's just said in the statement today and the sort of passive aggressiveness around the rest of the statement I think that no one would have batted an eyelid about the 32 red thing it would have been treated as good news no one would have like yourself made the point of well it's gonna doesn't matter because it's gonna be non-existent in the very near future it would have been that's a statement that's great news I just think we could have released that separately, and you could release that as a really good, uh, really strong good news story before you release season ticket details, because yeah. that that we got people on side straight away. You know, you didn't even have to mention. You know, we had when we had Peter on the podcast. I mentioned about the gambling legislation changes or the plan changes to the Gambling Legislation Act, and I think at that point. We had to start thinking outside the box, and I think this is going back to February, isn't it? When we asked Peter that question, yeah, so for, this for has been in fab. It was this has been planned for a while, so I think it's it's a great thing to do. It's the right move to do for, as a club to go down the non-gambling route, especially to bring all shirts back under the same roof, so we're not having these different shirts for kids as well as the adults. Um, but you release that as a separate statement today. And say, look, we're t- we're part and company thirty-two red. We thank them for their sponsorship for the past four years, or whatever it's been. 
and we're excited to announce a, a new sponsorship in the next coming, coming weeks of a non-gambling, locally-based business that's going to be our partnership partner going forward. The whole tone of that message flips. There's no condescending. There's no patronising. There's no one that can pick holes in it as a negative. It's it's a positive message, and then you know you can put in it. Season ticket details are going to be announced over the coming weeks. Yeah. But when you look through the statement, a lot of it is just it's hot air. It's just us saying we've done this, we've done that. Well, and a lot of it's repeated from stuff that we've heard over the last twelve months, anyway. Or, or we've read in, in the press. You know, yeah. there's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's just we've just been basically put on the naughty step and told this is what we've done. Aren't we good? It's like I don't care. I just want to know how much my season ticket's going to cost. You know, I, that's what I want. I want to know how much my season ticket's going to cost. You know, are we actually doing anything about the commerciality of the club? Are we actually putting ourselves out there? Are we going to get fans attracted to deep down this season, or are we just going to rely on what we've always done and hope to God that this fifty-five plus age bracket that we're relying on is going to renew their season tickets despite a massive pandemic that's affecting the health and well-being? of the over 55 population in the country. And uh, oh, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to tie these players down to contracts? I know it's been mentioned today that we're in discussions and some, by the sounds of it, some want to renew, some don't. So what are we going to do about those that don't want to renew? You know, why I, I don't just they find, want to renew? And why don't they want to renew? Is it down to the coach? Is it down to, you know, where we are as a club in terms of ambition? You know, what we what we're doing about it? So, I was just I was I was very miffed when I heard when I read the statement. I was in in Asda's car park dealing with a child and I was reading that at the same time and I was like, Yeah, that's not gonna go down well. So I'm just very interested to see what happens with the actual squad. Because if you look at the actual registered defenders next season, we're just very short. Obviously, Powers well, coming back from the ACL as well. Cunningham can't stay fit. Hunt should be a squad player. Earl, what's going to happen with Earl? Hughes is just plodding along. You've got Story and Rafferty. So you've got a build from the back. And Ollie, two of them are contracted later than the season. There's only Earl and Cunningham. They've got contracts that go into yeah. 2023. Every single one of those players that you've mentioned contracted up in the next season. So, you know, we can it can be put in a statement about we're trying to do something, but I'm worried. I, I am genuinely worried we're getting the same situation that we were in last season and we're not learnt. So forgive me for being worried about my football club, but I'm going to be here longer than anyone else than anyone else in that backroom staff at this moment in time is going to be. Touch wood, you know, as long as I don't drop yeah. dead tomorrow. But I, you know, I'll, hopefully I'll be here for another 30, 40, 50 years. So, you know, I'm going to be here for a long time. So, and mm. people will have moved on by then. So forgive me for being a little bit on a high horse about the future of my football club because it does mean a bloody lot to me. So, you know, I am going to be passionate. I'm going to be shouting about it. So we need yeah. some pace yeah. as well, Jake. We need some pace. Where, where do you think we need strengthen mainly? I know you've obviously just talked about the defence, but... You could argue that we need probably four or five attackers, four or five defenders, keeper. Central midfield's the only one you'd maybe say, but I still think we need one in there. Probably need a 10, don't you, Joe? Someone who can create stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you've got Potts, Brown and Johnson, but 
Yeah, someone who can create stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, we, need strengthen, we need to strengthen all departments. I don't think I don't think there's a position at the club that it may be left back, but apart from that, I look at every single position. I'm thinking. I think you only say left back because we got numbers there, not because of the quality there. Precisely. So, yeah, big summer ahead. Very big. When um, does the window yeah, open? Well, Jim, ninth of June, I think. Oh yeah, officially opens ninth of June, doesn't it? Players can talk to the clubs from June the first. Um, yeah, Jim, you and I, I think, have got uh, Peter coming on the pod in the coming weeks. Uh, need to sort that out. But yeah, other than that, we're we're going to be taking a break and making the most of the summer. Uh, I know you've got lots of decorating planned, haven't you, Jim? Absolutely. Yeah, boys, unless you've got anything else you want to add, then we can wrap that up. Uh, just a quick one. One. Just like to say congratulations to Jordan Hugo on his promotion to the Premier League. It doesn't end at 20. It doesn't got, end at 20. I thought we got through a full episode without a mention of uh, of Hugo, but obviously not. Hey, coming up. Note, Sorry. Yeah. No, no, go on. Do, do you want him to come up? Yeah. 100%, yes. What about the rest of you? Yeah. Make it more interesting. Jim? To come back. I hope Carl Robinson does some over two legs. You fancy Carl Robinson, you? <laughs> I, think it, I, just, I just like the football they play. Honestly, mate, they can rock. And on that note, uh, yeah, cheers, boys. Thank you very much. And thank you, listener, for listening to the final episode. Uh, it's been a long season, so thanks for sticking with us. Cheers, boys. Nice cheers. one. Nice one. See you in July. Yeah. Yep, see you in July. Hello, this is Joe from Sugarstone. And this is our brand new single, Angel Boy. Stupid as that sounds